Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Many years ago, I learned one of life's most important lessons at a summer camp called Worldview Academy. It not only sparked my interest in apologetics, but it also spurred on my growth in my own convictions. It goes something like this. There are two kinds of people, those who know that they have a worldview and those who do not. Everyone has a worldview. That is, everyone has foundational beliefs about why things are the way they are. However, not everyone understands why they believe what they believe. Anyone can criticize another person's beliefs, but it reflects maturity when you can critique your own beliefs and change to match the truth. As disciples of Jesus, we are believers. We believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but as you know, not everyone agrees with us. Some objections to Jesus being the Messiah are surface level and easily dismissed. For example, to someone who says, Jesus didn't even exist. We can point to numerous contemporary historical documents that reference him. However, some objections require a little more thought to answer. Jesus is the Messiah, but if we don't understand why we believe that, we may present him poorly or worse, lose our belief when presented with questions that seem to disprove our faith. May God grant us wisdom, insight, and discernment as we grow to maturity and take up the call in 1 Peter 3.15, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks us for a reason for the hope that is in us. Here's our difficult objection for today. Jesus can't be the Messiah because he broke the Sabbath. Have you ever heard this one before? It's been around since Jesus' earthly ministry. Many of his contemporaries, particularly the Pharisees, believe that he violated Sabbath law. That might sound trivial to us today, but it's a serious allegation. In Exodus 31, 14-15, God told the children of Israel, You shall keep the Sabbath, because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days' work shall be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. As we know, Jesus was a Jew. As Paul puts it in Galatians 4.4, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Jesus was obligated to keep Sabbath law, not just as a Jew, but as a rabbi, prophet, king, and messiah. As Pastor D. Thomas Lancaster puts it, if Jesus' critics and opponents could prove in a court of law that he broke the Sabbath, they had legal grounds for his execution. At the very least, they knew that if they could prove that he was a sinner and condoned the sin of violating the Sabbath, they could prove that he was not the Messiah. Like I said, this is a substantial objection. The Gospels are very clear that he did break Sabbath law multiple times. At that time, healing on the Sabbath on any level was questionable at best, and several of his recorded healings did break the Jewish definition of melakah, or work prohibited on the Sabbath. Jesus even condoned his disciples plucking and husking grain on the Sabbath, which violates Exodus 34, 21. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. In other words, the disciples husking grain on the Sabbath violated not just rabbinic law, but biblical law. 
Here, my fellow disciple, is our opportunity to grow. When we get a hard question, we should seek out the words of eternal life from our rabbi, Jesus. The objection is that Jesus can't be the Messiah because he broke the Sabbath. Let's start with what we know. Did Jesus say he was the Messiah? Yes, multiple times. Often he said he was the Son of Man, a messianic title from biblical and extra-biblical literature. But we'll come back to that. Did Jesus uphold the Torah? Yes, in Matthew 5, during the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. If Jesus was telling the truth, he wouldn't violate the Torah, which means we're still in a catch-22 here. Let's keep digging. What did Jesus think about the Sabbath itself? Luke 4.16 shares that, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. In Matthew 24, when Jesus prophesied about trials to come, he told his disciples, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. After Jesus was crucified and buried, Luke 23 makes a remark about the disciples. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. These passages all suggest that Jesus revered the Sabbath and did not give his Jewish disciples a blank check for breaking the Sabbath. Okay, let's take what we know and circle back to the grain field incident in Matthew 12. Lancaster says, The incident in the grain fields provides an ethical and legal framework for understanding all the master's conflicts over the Sabbath with religious authorities of his day. In other words, if we understand this story, we can understand all of them. Let's start with Matthew 12.1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Jesus was a rabbi over a school of disciples. When they plucked and rubbed heads of grain to eat, they broke biblical Sabbath law. Nearby Pharisees objected and asked Jesus for an explanation why he allowed it. Again, his authority as a rabbi and his candidacy for Messiah rode on him providing a legal reason why the disciples were justified in breaking the Sabbath. As it turns out, Jesus was a good rabbi. He had a legal justification completely based in Torah law that also deepens our understanding of the Sabbath even today. Jesus said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat or for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Jesus started his argument with a president in 1 Samuel 21. David was on the run and starving, and he ate some of the bread of the presence, which the Torah said only Levites could eat. David, a non-Levite, broke that commandment to preserve his life. At the time of Jesus, Jewish law had a legal concept called pikuach nefesh. It was a widely accepted understanding that breaking the Sabbath was acceptable if it meant saving a life. However, 
as Matthew said earlier, the disciples were hungry, not starving like David. Apparently, their lives were not in danger. But even if they were, Jesus didn't argue for Perkuach Nefesh here. Jesus continued, Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. Jesus isn't taking a shot at the temple here. He's using standard Jewish legal terminology when he says that the priests profane the Sabbath and are guiltless. It simply means that the priests in the temple did not keep Sabbath prohibitions because they were obeying higher commandments from God, namely carrying out the sacrifices. So by Jesus' logic so far, human life is greater than the temple, and the temple is greater than the Sabbath. Here's where Jesus ties it all together. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus quotes Hosea 6 6 here, a passage where God says he desires mercy more than sacrifices. It's not that God hated temple sacrifices, he was the one that asked for them. But God wanted Israel to love him and love each other more than he wanted the sacrifices. With this third prioritization, Jesus completed his argument. One, human life outweighs the temple. Two, the temple outweighs the Sabbath. Thus, human life outweighs the Sabbath. Three, mercy for humanity outweighs the temple. Therefore, mercy for humanity outweighs the Sabbath. Put simply, Jesus proved that mercy for humanity is more important to God than Sabbath observance. So, what about the Son of Man being Lord of the Sabbath? Now, you don't have to accept this interpretation, but I'm convinced Jesus is just restating his argument. Yes, Son of Man is a loaded eschatological term, and Jesus uses it often as a messianic title. However, the Hebrew behind it just means a human being. In Mark's version of this story, Jesus puts it this way, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Whether or not Jesus was making a messianic claim here, he made a solid legal case for the priority of human compassion over Sabbath prohibition, and he made the same case throughout the rest of the Gospels. It's worth noting, too, that later Jewish authorities did arrive at the same conclusion. And today, religious Jews do break the Sabbath to bring healing even to those not in mortal danger. So, put differently, Jesus' legal interpretation was not only valid, but also ahead of its time. The Sabbath objection to Jesus being Messiah doesn't hold water. In fact, we've strengthened our conviction that Jesus was a teacher of righteousness, the sinless one who did not come to abolish the law, but to uphold it. Beyond this, Jesus has given us a greater insight into the Sabbath. God didn't give the Sabbath to man as a burden. Yes, any of God's commandments can be difficult, but they should shape the people of God, not break them. As the Jewish thinker Rambam wrote, the judgments of the Torah do not bring vengeance to the world, but rather mercy, kindness, and peace to the world. Okay, how does Sabbath bring mercy, kindness, and peace for us as Gentile Christians? Well, 
It shows us that God desires for us to rest and commune with him. He even gave prohibitions to Israel to force them into a cycle of rest. And because of this, they learned that they could entrust their provision to him. We can take that same lesson from the Sabbath, and we can also be confident in God's mercy. On top of all Jesus' healing miracles, he proved through the Torah that God prioritizes compassion over ceremony. Gentile Christians may not be bound to Sabbath observance, but the Sabbath still teaches us today. Even if we just remember it, we arrange our week by it, which orients our hearts toward a time of rest. As we know from Hebrews, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. May our studies about the Sabbath in this world bring us into a brighter hope for the Sabbath rest in the kingdom of God. This week's episode is written and read by myself, Jordan Upton. Our producer is Jeff Reynolds. Our engineers are Elliot Beckley and Jordan Evans. And our editor is Chad Walden.